Reading tonight from Numbers, Numbers chapter 22, verses 15 through 18. And Balak sent yet again princes, more and more honorable than they. And they came to Balaam and said to him, Thus saith Balak, the son of Zippor, Let nothing, I pray thee, hinder thee from coming unto me. For I will promote thee unto very great honor, and I will do whatsoever thou sayest unto me. Come therefore, I pray thee, curse me this people. It's a strange thing to say, curse me this people. It was a reference to cursing the people of Israel. And this was a King Balak indicating to Balaam this, uh, it's hard to call him a prophet, but evidently he was a prophet, that he was supposed to do this terrible thing. And it was going to be great for Balaam. Remember, it was going to be wonderful for Balaam. This wasn't the first uh, approach that they had made regarding Balaam. They had approached him before. But now they send princes, very important people, probably dressed in those fancy robes that you think of princes wearing back in those days. They were honorable. There was more than just one of them. And they come to Balaam. Wow, just think, this is, this is going to be good. With all these promises, you're going to be promoted, but I'd like to know to what. And with and you get very great honor. Sounds like if you're looking for getting the big head, Balaam had every opportunity right there. But you go on to the next verse, and it says in verse 18, but And Balaam answered and said unto the servants of Balak, If Balak would give me his house full of silver and gold, I cannot go beyond the word of the Lord my God to do less or more. That's where he should have stopped, right there. If you go on to read the account, it's, it's, it's confusing. It goes back and forth, and you're wondering, where are we headed in this account? Are we for the Lord, or are we not for the Lord? Are we going to curse Israel, or are we not going to curse Israel? What, what's Balaam going to do anyway? He keeps, he keeps waffling back and forth, it appears, uh, on this uh, decision that should be no decision at all. He would never do that. And he followed through it. it. It takes a while to get through it, and we're not going to go there tonight. But the idea is this. When God says that you're supposed to do something, just do it. Do what God says do. You know, we get so tied up in, um, I don't know, ceremonial whatever, trying to figure out how incredible it's going to be when, when all God says is, just do what I say. I, I've got something for you to do. I've got something that you can do. That's the amazing thing about God. He knows you better than you know yourself. So if he wants you to do something, you will be capable of doing it. It's not that hard. I like seeing young people in church. I remember being young and being in church. 
and being close to the front. The only problem is, church where I went to, the reason we had to sit in the front couple of rows is because we were in confirmation. And then after confirmation, you know where we sat? In the balcony. It's like you want to get away. It's, it's too fiery down there in the front rows, you know? You might get called to do something that you don't think you can do. But you know what? You can do it. God can help you do it. it it's it, it's plain and simple. We heard, I was, I was listening to these testimonies tonight, and I'm glad I had my hanky with me. I, I'm thinking, where are we going to go from here? I don't even know. That's incredible what God can do in a person's life. What if we had a few other hundred of testimonies tonight? We'd be surprised at what God has already done. Count on what God has done to realize what God can do. Go to the history of what God has already done, and you can follow it through. You go beyond this point, and remember where Balaam here got in a lot more trouble. He had a he had a donkey that he rode on, and first of all, the donkey goes off the road, and 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 it really stirred. He was mad at his 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 animal. He was he was stirred. Well, finally gets back on the road again, and and, and they, they go through some walls, and there's like walls on both sides, and and, and the donkey's trying to avoid this angel of the Lord that has a sword that will kill Balaam if he's not careful. And the donkey just slams, slams Balaam into the side wall, hurts his foot, crashes his foot into the wall. But if you read the account, you don't read much about Balaam so worried about his foot. He was just mad. He had a problem. And they went on again, a little farther down the road. And, and, uh, this time, uh, the, the donkey just fell down. You know, we're not going any farther because he can still see the donkey can see this, uh, angel of the Lord holding a sword. And he's trying to protect Balaam. But then the strangest thing you'll ever see in scripture, at least in my mind, one of the strange things, Balaam is talked to by his donkey. Have you ever heard a donkey talk? Me neither. A horse, a cow, a dog. They can make noises and stuff, but they do not speak English or Arabic or Greek or Spanish or anything. They cannot talk. I think I'm, I'm, I'm clear on that thought, aren't we? Donkeys cannot speak the language that we speak. But this donkey could. Pretty smart donkey. Well, the Lord was speaking through this donkey for sure. And the donkey learned how to talk in a hurry. And the next weird thing was, you don't see Balaam stopping to realize that his donkey's talking to him. He just carries on a conversation with the donkey. Yeah, that's right. That's what he did. Very weird. You know, you can get into a weird spot when you're not doing what God wants you to do. You can get into a real strange place that you don't know how to get back from. You get down this lonely, lonely road far, far away, and you don't know how to turn back. We refer to that as being lost. When you're lost, that means you don't know where you are, and you don't know where you should go. It's a good thing that the Spirit of God speaks to the hearts of people just like us. And in this case, 
finally came to the place where it said in verse 31, Then the Lord opened the eyes of Balaam. He saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way, and his sword drawn in his hand, and he bowed down his head and fell flat on his face. What took you so long? It just seemed to last forever before he finally got straightened out. But that wasn't the end of the story. It went on a little while longer with Balaam. But we won't go there. Have you ever heard of this word, glossop? 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 I knew the word earlier. It means a fear of public speaking. No wonder, right? Glossopia. That's not the right way to say it. A fear of public speaking. You've never had the fear of public speaking, have you? Don't answer that question. Large population of the world fears the idea of speaking in public. I wonder why. Because they can't say some words, maybe, I don't know. But get over it. You know, if the gospel is the message you're to preach, preach the gospel. Forget about the trivial matters. Just preach the gospel. Tell people that God is love and that he can change your life and he can do something good in your heart and he'll do something good in your family and he will, he will touch lives through you. You'll be able to speak, probably in English or Spanish or something, but you'll be able to speak to people that probably will understand you. So we need to get over a fear of public speaking. And you would think I could get over it after 50-some years, but I'm still working on it. The gospel is still more important than whether old Prescott can speak properly. But he's working on it. You recall, further in the scripture, in Elisha's, in the, in the account of Elisha, Elisha was called of God. Now, it doesn't say that, that Elisha had a fear of public speaking. But what it did say in just three short verses is that Elisha was paying attention. In, in 1 Kings 19, 19, and so he departed thence and found Elisha. That was Elijah found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him, and he with the 12, and Elijah passed by him and cast his mantle upon him. Things were going to change. Elisha likely had his life all planned out. He had ideas of the future, no doubt. He was ambitious. He was working in a farm. Maybe his father's farm, maybe his farm. He was working on a farm. That's hard work. And he was doing labor work, tough work, probably feeding these animals each day and feeding other animals each day, cattle and sheep and no doubt, whatever, whatever type of uh, projects they were on. But things changed in a hurry when this mantle fell upon Elisha. So then he left the ox and ran after Elijah, said, Let me, I pray thee, kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow thee. And he said unto him, Go back again, for what have I done to thee? And he returned back from him and took a yoke of oxen, slew them, boiled their flesh with the instruments of, of the oxen and gave unto the people, and they did eat. Then he arose and went after Elijah and ministered unto him. 
we know that Elijah followed Elijah. He accepted the call of God. Now, how long? Well, there's years leading up to this point where Elisha had, had known about God, learned about God, learned how to pray, maybe. But when the time came, he jumped at it. Was there sacrifice made? For sure. Anything worth doing, there's going to be a sacrifice. There's going to be a different sacrifice for just about everybody. Not everybody deals with the same things the same way. The call of God comes, and uh, it reaches out to the whosoever will, for sure. And it touches lives in many different ways. I'm convinced of that, because I've heard people talk about it. But the same results are involved here. Whether you're a Sunday school teacher, preacher, usher, musician, whatever call God puts you in, in a certain place, it's for the gospel. It's to present the message of God to the whosoever will. Because people in this day and age still need to know about the Lord. A lot of things have changed, but that has not changed. People still need to know the Lord and to know that there is a better way. And this is the way. Walk ye in it. Why not? What's it going to hurt to try? We want to give God an opportunity. And in a, in a way, sometimes we give everybody else opportunities. And then when it comes down to God, it's like, oh, wait a minute. I probably should have let God have an opportunity. And when we do let the Lord work in our lives, it's a beautiful day. Everybody explains it differently. We enjoyed that tonight, those testimonies. I think we're going to remember that for a while. I hope so. You know, there's another person in the Bible. We were leading up to this person. You know Balaam's name, right? You know Elisha's name. And you know Elijah as well. But you don't know this person's name. Know it is? I'm going to skip verse 1. 2 Kings chapter 5. We'll go to verse 2. And the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid. What's her name? I don't think we know what her name is. Now that's somebody I want to talk to in heaven. I want to talk to that little maid. A little maid. And she waited on Naaman's wife. Sounds so perfect. Sounds so, so nice. Doesn't it sound good? She waited on Naaman's wife. Wait a minute. She was taken captive out of her own home from Israel into Syria and had to become a servant to this Naaman's wife. She was the servant. She served in this foreign land a very young girl. Maybe 12, maybe 14. Can you imagine that? Being taken from your own home, from your family, from your loved ones, from your friends, just taken away. Who knows what happened to the people you were taken away from? And you're kind of wondering about what happened to those people that you've left behind? For sure you'd be thinking about those things if you were that little maid or a young boy for that matter. But she went to work for Naaman's wife. And she had something that a lot of people need. She had a connection with God. She had a relationship with God. And how she got that relationship with God, it doesn't tell you that. We're just going to have to figure it out on our own, I guess. But she, she knew something about God that a lot of people don't realize. She knew that God keeps his word, it seems to be. 
Verse 3 says, And she said unto her mistress, that's to Naaman's wife, Would God, my Lord, were with the prophet that is in Samaria. Remember why she said that? Naaman was a leper. So, she's thinking outside the box here, thinking that if, 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 my, if Naaman, if my Lord, was, uh, could, could meet up with the prophet in, in uh, uh, Samaria, what's she say? For he would recover him of his leprosy. How did she know that? How in the world did she know that? Was she reaching out by faith, saying that? Maybe. Maybe she believed God in such a way that God had, had protected her for however long she'd been working for, for Naaman's wife and been in this foreign country for, maybe it'd been for a couple of years or so. But she knew something about God in a very close, simple, perfect way. And so when she could speak those words to, to, uh, this, uh, wife of Naaman's, she could speak with confidence. She was just that sure that God could help, could help Naaman. Did he help? Did the Lord help Naaman? Well, there's another story after this. Sure enough, it's amazing. Sometimes when you get some information, aren't you asking the question, where'd you hear that? Who told you that? How do you know it's true? Well, I think it's true. I heard it from a reliable source. Who's your reliable source? Well, I don't know, I forgot his name. I don't know, I don't know if I can trust your reliable source. You don't even know who it is. But this, this girl, this young girl, was believable. She was believable. They believed her, evidently, because they took her at her word, and Naaman had connection with the king of Syria at that time, and, uh, and they got a, a letter written so that he could go into Samaria to find this prophet. He gets here, and he goes to the wrong person. He goes to the king of, of uh, Israel. It goes down to the king. And he, he brings this information, and they thought they wanted to start a war. You know, this was critical stuff. In those days, you had to be pretty careful. You had to watch what you said and where you went and what you did, uh, it seems like. So they go down there, and sure enough, they finally, Elisha hears about it. Elisha comes down there, or sends a message, I guess. He never actually saw Naaman right away, which upset Naaman terribly. And then Naaman finally had to get straightened out by another some of his servants had to straighten out Naaman. And so he'd finally get down there to the river Jordan and wash seven times. And his leprosy was gone, just like the little maid said. You can believe people like that, can't you? Don't you like it when you can believe certain people? And you can believe a lot of good people. And we like to believe what they say especially when the gospel is the most important thing in their life. And they tell you that Jesus saves, and he keeps, and he satisfies, and he gives victory, and he gives joy unspeakable, full of glory. That's the kind of gospel we love and we appreciate very, very much. Tonight, I'm just thinking about those reliable sources we know of the Bible as our primary reliable textbook. We go to the source. 
We can have questions. We can have wonderments. That's for sure. But we have a source document right here in the Word of God that will likely lead you in the direction that you need to go and will help you through life in a victorious way. We're going to stand and sing tonight. We have opportunity to pray here. That's something we do here. Somebody had a good idea a long time ago. None of us up here are old enough to remember that. Even I'm not old enough to remember that. But we know that whatever they said worked. People are still taking time to pray in the house of God, and they were seeing the Lord do wonderful things in their lives and in their lives of their friends. We're going to pray now. First, we're going to sing a song, 596. Let's stand and sing, Come and Pray.